Hello, and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am very tired. And thank you for listening. Why do you have to mess with the formula? Because <laughs> you know? I get bored with it. It's the same thing. I, really... I like to embrace it, you know? Yeah. People, they know what to expect from us. No surprises from Battleship Pretension. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I like to do. But uh, but I am very tired. Yeah, late night record. Very, very it's, late. Yeah, and it's been a hell of a week at work. And, and Down at the plant. You know. <laughs> plant. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, all right, well, all David, I guess... stuff's got to go in those boxes. Exactly. <laughs> those boxes aren't going to shove stuff into themselves. <laughs> um but, uh, yeah, so David is now laying down, and so I'll just take you the rest of the way, listeners. Um, but This is, uh, is going to be the lullaby edition of the Battleship Retention <laughs> exactly. podcast. Um, all right, but, uh, so let's see. I Actually, guess we did can... you see, we, we were just at a, at a friend's uh, uh, party, yeah. uh, birthday party. He had, did you see that pillow? Yeah. It's a, it's a little pillow that was shaped like a flower. Yeah, and it has a plug on the back, and you can plug your iPod into it, yeah. so that you can lay down on it and listen as you fall asleep. Yeah. Now he has children, so it's not like he's listening to this flower pillow. Right. Perhaps he is. I don't know. I, but you I can just... imagine that I would be. Yeah. I kind of chuckled at it at first, but like, I can see, like, if I want to fall, you know, I uh, I don't mean to brag, but I I share a bed with a lady every night. And if I want to fall asleep to something that she doesn't want to fall asleep to, that's perfect, you know, because it's not going to like, you know, wearing it, you're not going to wear headphones, you know, because I thrash around a lot during the night, you know, I I tend to move, you know, with my luck, I'd wrap the, uh, wrap the (laughs) headphone cords around my neck and wake up dead. (laughs) (laughs) Listening to Willie Nelson or something. Um, yeah, it's, I just uh, bought that new Willie Nelson box set. Is that why you said that? Because I told you I bought that. Yeah. It's called one hell of a ride. Yeah, so far, I have uh, not listened to it. I just got it yesterday. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, David, are you somebody? Now, I remember from when we lived together that you're you're somebody who likes to, you know, have the stereo or on, a television or, or something the tele. You kind of just like something to be in the background. Yeah. Well, because Teresa does not like that. Okay. I have I have uh, replaced that with the fan. I now have we have like a, a standing fan. Right. In the bedroom, and even if it's, you know, freezing, and I'm talking about 40 degrees outside, this is right. Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Even if it's 40 degrees outside, I have to have the fan on. Yeah. I, like, I'll just turn it so it's not blowing on me, but that's yeah. become, like, my white noise machine is is the fan. I, I can't really fall asleep without it. Yeah, it's, uh, when I'm, like, if I'm at a, you know, somebody's house and they have, like, central air or something like that, like, like I'll just find myself, like, it takes me a very long amount of time to fall asleep so i'll just be laying there and then when the air shuts off oh yeah because you don't realize it's going it's just yeah. there you know you don't know it then the air shuts off and you're like ah uh, i don't like this one bit the air comes back and i'm like oh thank god yeah i, I would hate to have to listen to my own thoughts for a while um <laughs> but uh but yeah that to me that pillow just seems i don't know it seems like too much like hey, well here's the thing you can't wash it that's true. Well, there maybe there's a way to wash it. I don't know. Yeah. Can you wash like an electric blanket? I wouldn't know. Hmm. I wouldn't either. Listeners, no. Okay. I'm but, sc- I, I'm scared of electric blankets. Cuz wh- what if I'm like, you know, I'm curled up on the couch. I'm I'm watching uh, an episode of CSI. Yeah. As as loyal listeners know that I love to do. Yeah. And maybe I got a a glass of Kool-Aid or or emergency. Or, emergency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something else that's endorsed by Battleship Retention. Exactly. If I spill it, which isn't, you know, out of the question. It is not out of the question. Uh, am I going to electrocute myself? You know, I don't think so. Because I, uh, because the the electric blanket was not invented uh, six hours ago. I think they've <laughs> thought about this. And they're like, okay, so uh, no exposed wiring, right? We we all agree on that. Let's Let's cover it up with something. So yeah, I think I think you're fine. Okay. I'm not sure if you should bathe with it, but uh, but I think you'd be fine if you spilled. So your I should emergency. stick to bathing with the regular blanket. Right? Regular blanket, because it gets chilly. 
in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh my gosh. Listeners, you can tell how late it is because we are very punchy. Making, yeah. odd, making odd jokes. Still hilarious, David. Still hilarious jokes. Okay. But if you say in so. a different way. In a different way. Speaking so. of cold uh, showers, that, you know, uh, I've moved into this place. We've been here about two months. Right. In every place I've ever lived in, lived in, you know, within the first week or so, I figure out the shower. Like, I figure out what the settings are. Right. You know? And, like, this is how I like it. This yeah. thing is so goddamn unpredictable. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I literally added an extra, like, five to ten minutes to my morning routine because I got to, like, stand there and, be, and, like, figure out and make sure the water's okay before I get in. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> My my apartment now, David, uh, and and you know perhaps some listeners have have been in my apartment, and you've you've seen me <laughs> explain this. That do you think the listeners who haven't been in your apartment are right now jealous of the listeners who have been? They should be. I have a nice apartment. It's a nice place, but uh, you know for the amount that I'm paying. But um, but the uh, we have a, a patio, and the door to the patio was installed. Upside down and backwards. Uh-huh. And so because of the way it was installed, it's uh, impossible to install a screen door, and uh, which is very frustrating when it's like, oh, there's a nice breeze outside. Too bad I have no way of feeling it because yeah. uh, Charlie will run out and jump out, jump over a wall and run into the street. But um, Charlie is the uh, your, your little brother. Exactly. Chaz, Chuck, <laughs> whatever you want to call him. But uh, he's a little scamp. Um but what uh, what I realized recently was that the dial in my shower also installed upside down. I just don't know who this contractor was. He's got this odd uh, form of dyslexia. I think uh, Theodore Giesel is your contractor. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... I don't know. But the shower thing, I hear you. That's one of the reasons I... I love hotels, but that's... It, it gets me, the shower thing. I always, yeah. I always try... Don't tell anybody. Okay. But I always try and like make sure Jen takes the shower first, and uh-huh. then anything that's going to happen happens to her. <laughs> you know, because she. Who do you think is going to happen? You mean like arachnophobia, right? You mean like spiders in the shower head? That's what you're worried about. No, I mean like you know, if it turns out that oh no, like uh, I it, if I move the lever too far in this direction, uh, this is scalding hot water, oh, okay. and she has to deal with that first. And then I don't, and then she can You're not afraid of there being any trap doors or revolving walls in there if you turn the lever too far or too far. (laughs) Who knows? I could wind up in the conservatory. I don't know. But uh, that's a clue joke. I don't get to make those very often. But um, now, David, to change the subject to the, you know, movies. Yeah, you know what? We were going to, like, we were trying to think, what should we talk about? Up top, yeah. you know, and, and then we, we forgot. Right, we're obsessed with our own bullshit. Yeah, how so silly of kind us. Of, I mean, we kind of taken care of that. You think, I think so? We can get to the topic. But I was fascinated with what I'm not fascinated, but I'm interested in in what we thought we would talk about. Oh, the movie I watched. Right. Yeah, I watched Zoo, that movie about uh, horse fuckers. Okay, All or right. really, technically, horse fuckies. Yeah, it's. I'm fascinated by... I, I didn't see the documentary, and frankly, I don't think I want to simply because of the content, but, like, what drew like what drew you to see the movie? The content? I mean, did it just... Well, t- uh, this is uh, a little more uh, personal stuff. Inside the life of David Bax. Okay. Uh, I live with, a, with a, my girlfriend, my, my fairly awesome girlfriend, Teresa Roberts, and she yeah. likes to... Uh, if there's a movie that might be unsettling or have you know some yeah. sort of difficult topic she basically likes to make it easier to watch by having a party for it yeah we did this uh a few months back with uh Salo, the the pasolini film you know that's notorious for you know people eating shit in it and yeah. all kinds of uh crazy stuff so we just had a, a, par- a party and it's actually a really well attended party uh for Salo. and so we had a, a mini party for zoo uh, last night, okay. and so that was why I watched it because right. Teresa wanted to see it, but she didn't want to just watch it. So. It was the social event of the month, is what you're telling me. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, did you expect to uh, expect to like it? I mean, it's about people I had heard who have sex with horses. Yeah, I, I, I had heard. Uh, well, fr- friend of the show Zaljanan right. was a big fan of the film when he he had seen it at the at the New Art, I think, when it played here last year. Okay. And so, based pretty much on his recommendation, I was interested in seeing it. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I ended up not liking it. All right. Um, but I mean, that's that's. I think we should save this for another day, really. Cause okay. There's, there's a lot that we can talk about with it. We can. I mean, okay. we've done an episode on documentaries before. Yeah. But we kind of talked just... about that. We can. We can always revisit topics, and I think there's there's more to be well, said especially about that it. one, yeah, because yeah. we only kind of skimmed the surface a little bit. I'd say. Yeah, I really want to talk about the idea that a movie, a documentary, can have a compelling subject and still be not be enjoyable to watch, or yeah. vice versa. Yeah, it's still mess it up in the execution yeah which can make it so much more frustrating i imagine yeah but uh all right well that's fine yeah that's i agree that's the very nature of that lends itself to a much longer discussion so sorry everybody for hinting at, well, uh, well, let's at get to uh let's get to today, today's long discussion okay let's get into it shall we all right uh this is uh well we've, we've talked about the blog the right, battleship that's Protection right. blog the bp blog that's the right bpb whoa um uh, this is our first topic that's sort of somewhat inspired by one of our blogs. That's right. Uh, I saw recently saw the film "When Did You Last See Your Father" by uh, Anand. I don't know how you say his first name. Anand Tucker. Anand. Anand, maybe. Okay. Uh, he made the brilliant and gorgeous Hil- Hillary and Jackie. Did you right. ever see that? I still haven't seen it. Uh, it's 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 like a movie that you would like, except that it's about women. <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh, that's a little joke. That's a that's a little elbow to the ribs. That's not. Uh, I just well, want you the missed, listeners to know that you I really missed don't and think hit my heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Hillary and Jackie is a brilliant and amazing movie. Uh, let me say more. Uh, yeah, by adjectives that mean the same thing. <laughs> it's also fantastic yeah. and excellent. Astounding, astounding indeed. All right. Uh, but that's not the movie that I saw recently. I saw When Did You Last See Your Father? Yeah. Uh, and then I wrote a blog about uh, the movie. And uh, Tyler and I, one of the many things we have in common, besides you know uh, our love of movies and yeah. comedy and... Uh, we both wear cola. glasses. <laughs> we like soda. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we both... Um, uh, I don't know what's the, what's the we have dead cheesy fathers. way to yes. we have dead okay, fathers. Yeah. I hate being cheesy. But I was like because I, I, I was gonna say like we both lost our fathers, but I hate that. Right? Yeah. I the best it. way to do it is uh, to simply come out and say the uh, the worst thing you can say. Not the right. worst thing, but no. just like yeah, yeah it's uh, just be very blunt about it, you know. And uh, yeah, and you know we we're gonna get to this eventually. Like we've been uh, playing with the idea of doing an episode. Uh, uh, about movies about grief or what has come to be known as grief exploitation, which <laughs> yeah, because I mean, of that. Oh, I read it uh, in a review of. Damn it, I don't remember the movie, but like you know, there's been a rash of like grief-related movies, uh, like yeah. in the last, I'd say, eight years, hmm. and uh, and so I had read a review. A reviewer said like this is the latest grief exploitation. I was like, huh. I guess there have been quite a few, but um, but it is an interesting subgenre, and it's one that we want to explore. Um, but yeah, so uh, so this episode, it's all about you know, it, <laughs> I mean the the title. When did you last see your father? This episode is about dads. Yeah, movie dads. Movie dads, and uh, so of course, David, I'm glad that you. I'm very glad that you got. The thing out of the way, you know, the elephant in the room, uh-huh. uh, because, you know, we're probably going to wind up talking about our dads a fair amount, or at least our relationship with them and how, you know, we see these movie dads relate to that. Yeah. So it's best to just say that and get it out of the way, you know, so that, I, you know, I don't have to say it in the middle of a, you know, a sob or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> all right. Now, so like, I guess let's talk about this movie, you know, when did you last see your father? Let's start with that one and... and Work our way towards uh, our lists here. Well, uh, it's really, really good. Okay, movie. Uh, it's not Hillary and Jackie good, but it's really, really good. Okay. Um, uh, essentially, it's a, uh, Jim Broadbent plays the father of uh, of the title and the father of uh, Colin Firth. Um, and they actually kind of—if you look at them—they kind of look like they could be related. I could see that. Um, uh, and so, so the movie sort of takes place like the—I guess you. would kind of call it a framing device but it's it's more prevalent than that is Colin Firth has gone back home 
because he knows that his father is going to be is very sick and is going to be dying sometime in the next few weeks. So it's mm-hmm. him spending the last weeks of his father's life with him. And then it goes into the, the flashbacks of him growing up with his father and basically all the reasons he didn't like him. Right. Um, and what's really fantastic about the movie, just to... I'm setting the topic aside and just getting into reviewer mode here. Right. But because the flashbacks are seen through... You're you're essentially experiencing these things as Colin Firth experienced them. So right. They're not they're not necessarily uh, realistic. They're they're colored by his memory. Okay. Uh, but as the movie goes on and in the in the sort of present time story, he become, he comes to understand his father more and more. Okay. In the flash within the flashbacks, his father changes hmm. and, and becomes like a more well rounded and and sympathetic man. Yeah. So like in the so the I assume that the flashbacks. They go in pretty much chronological order, pretty uh, much. Yeah. Okay, with with some variation, which yes. means that at the beginning, Jim Broadbent is giving probably a very broad, uh, possibly one dimensional performance. But then by yeah. the end, you see him as more of a full fledged character, just the yeah. way that the son. Yeah, but but all the flaws are still there. It's not like okay. Colin Firth realizes, oh, I was wrong, and he was a great person all all right. along. Like he right. was still not a great dad. Yeah. But he wasn't a bad dad. He yeah. really, truly loved and cared for his son. I love the I love the idea of storytelling in that style, where it literally puts you in the same position as the main character, like where you literally think like you've got this dad all figured out, uh-huh. and he's kind of a prick, and he's yeah. you know, and I don't like him. And then you gr- you grow wiser in a very organic way, you know. Yeah. It's not like, you know, for example, I never cared for Big Fish. Um, I like it a little more now than I used to. But, like, that's one where it's just, like, I just, I never felt, like, I never really liked the dad. And then, like, it might also be because he's played by a different actor, you know. And so I never really got a, the only, like, I, the only relation I have to, like, the Albert Finney character is just, like, this old man who really is not that interested in his son. Yeah. You know, and so, like, I am I have no sympathy towards this guy, you know. And, uh, but, yeah, it sounds like uh, When Did You Last See Your Father is, the, the filmmaking itself is approached in a really interesting way. Yeah. And it's one that, frankly, I think, you know, based on your blog, I mean, I, it, I absolutely relate to it. I mean, it's just, um, speaking about my dad, I would say that I, for the longest time, he, I found him to be very intimidating because uh-huh. he was just very kind of a quiet guy and all that. And just, I, I would say I viewed him much the same way as, uh, young, as young Michael Sullivan viewed his father in Road to Perdition, mm. where just a very, you know, solemn type guy who it's like, you don't really want to bother that much, you know? Like, you just, you're just aware that, yeah, he's around, you know? He uh-huh. doesn't really wear his heart on his sleeve. And then, of course, as I got older and was able to, and became more of an adult and was able to relate to my dad on a certain level, uh, then it's like, oh, right, this there's a lot more to this person than I ever thought there could be. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and so... And the idea of of uh, in film, the idea of fatherhood is is an interesting one. I mean, you know, Spielberg incorporates that theme, fatherhood specifically, not just parenthood. He incorporates into, into the majority of his films. I'd say at this point, I mean, it's kind of a standard thing. Yeah. Um. You know, even something like Hook. You know. Sure. Definitely. But. Uh, but yeah, and. I like, you know, it like on my list most of these are like b- most of the movies on my list are like bad fathers, but <laughs> you know, and like just the incredible positive or negative just the incredible impact that they have on their children, but there's a there's a couple good ones on here, so yeah, well, let's, uh, let's, I'll throw it to you right now. Uh yeah, I want to cuz I uh I don't hold any ill will towards my father at all. Right. Um but I do like the idea of a movie like like When Did You Last See Your, Your Father, you know, with uh, it's about a bad father, you know, mm-hmm. or, or someone who's perceived by the child to be bad, right. you know, because 
there are times, certainly when I was growing up, when I was, you know, I would get really pissed off at my dad, you know, for, you know, something he wouldn't allow me to do or something he took me to task for or, you know, uh, restrictions he placed on me or whatever, you know, but, uh, as as I grew older, I realized a a lot of it was he was, you know. I mean, certainly you should be friends with your dad to some extent, but right, a person and his or her parent are not really meant to be friends first. Right. You know, if I mean, the, the job of a parent is to uh, create a, a well-adjusted and responsible member of society. Right, uh, and so that's what my dad was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the times that I was mad at him because he. You know, wouldn't let me go see. He wouldn't let me go to the No Effects concert because of I can't remember why. <laughs> Bad <laughs> grades. Or I don't know why. I did something wrong and I couldn't go to No Effects. And I just thought that yeah. was the most unfair thing in the world at fourteen years old. Yeah. Um. I'll tell you right now, No Effects are they're they're fine or whatever. But I don't really have any regrets about not having seen them at <laughs> yeah. Mississippi Nights. And you won out, I guess. <laughs> um. Or you know. Certainly, I mean, an obvious example is when I, uh, <laughs> here's a great story from my childhood. Eighth okay. grade, I snuck uh, a water, like drinking water bottle full of whiskey into <laughs> Six Flags for Fright Nights. Because uh, here's the thing. I was going with a bunch of my friends. Yeah. Kind of friends. Like the people I hung out with when I wanted to do something bad, like try okay. cigarettes or whatever. Yeah. You know, not not my close friends. But uh, we went to Six Flags and they... Eighth grade, by the way, they were all going to do acid. Oh, okay. And I was very not, advanced in eighth yeah. grade. Good for them. I was not going to do acid. Yeah. Um, not at that age. Right. Uh, but I was like, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I still got to be cool, so I'll bring this whiskey in. Right. Uh, I, I mean, whiskey may be legal compared to acid, but I got way more fucked up than yeah. they did, and I passed out in the... Uh, and for the record, uh, whiskey, not legal when you're in eighth grade. Right. I'll, I'll throw that out there. <laughs> uh, good point. Uh, like, you know, I I passed out, and uh, they called... Uh, luckily, I was, uh, you know, alert enough to tell them my name and my my phone number, because I called my dad, and he had to come get me. It was like, uh, you know, 1130 at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was... To the, I mean, to this day, I've never been that drunk. Again, okay. Um, and my dad got my ass out of bed at seven o'clock the next morning <laughs> and shoved a rake in my hand because it was fall, you know. And just yeah. you gotta, you gotta do some yard work today. And that's all I did all day. And I was so pissed at him. I was like, you, I'm just like, I'm sure you understand how I feel, but of course he understood how I feel. Yeah. He's teaching me a lesson. I mean, that's kind of an obvious one, but I just think it's just a fun story to tell. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of almost almost. Sitcomy, just the his reaction to it, but uh, you know, did the trick. You you haven't uh, touched a drop since. Um, that's a joke. Uh, he drinks like a freaking fish. And speaking of fish, is Finding Nemo on your Finding list? Finding Nemo is on my, is on my list. Yes, but, but I, uh, you know, well, that's a good dad. I, I wonder. I feel like I, I had dad, more yeah. to say about bad dads. Okay. Um, I guess what, what I was getting at is often. I mean, in movies, obviously, there are there are bad fathers. Yes. You know? Uh, but sometimes they're just... Uh, you look at a movie like True Romance, you know, where Dennis oh, Hopper yeah. is... Like, he clearly was a bad father, but has changed. Yeah. You know, and that's that's one thing. But in other things, other movies like... Like, When Did You Last See Your Father? Uh, as the child, you know, usually... In most of these movies, a man, mm-hmm. because most filmmakers are men, and yeah. that's just the way the stories go. Uh, and it's you know the relationship between a son and father is, uh, I guess, more inherently dramatic than between a daughter and father. Uh, I don't know if that's, yeah. that's true. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but it's treated as true. Yeah, because more movies are made like that. Anyway, uh, uh, oftentimes it turns as the person as the as the son grows older, he realizes. It, he he learns to forgive his father or, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, sees the human being behind his father. And that's really the right. big, I would say that's a a huge theme in the in these movies, at least the movies that are about fathers and sons, is sons realizing that the fathers are human. And as as you get older, you know, by the time my dad was my age, he had me, you know, hmm. he had me and my sister. Yeah. Uh, so I can see things from his point of view now, and I can see that he was just a, 
uh, a person. You know, he, he yeah, take I mean, any, you know, they, he didn't go to college to be a dad. Yeah, which I is mean, kind of the impression that you have when you're younger. Like this person is a dad, therefore he knows what he's doing. The older I get, the more amazed I am about at my parents, but adults in general. Like I like just in I, I was like I don't know what I'm doing. How did they know what they were doing? Wait a minute, maybe they didn't. You know, uh-huh. like and then like my my uh, brother. Like I've learned. I feel like I've learned a lot about my parents based on my brother and how he was a parent. Like my uh, my nephew Aiden, he uh, like he was doing something. He was like acting up when you know my brother and I were both visiting. Uh, my mom in Missouri and Aiden was like acting up and my brother was like, Aiden bedtime. Uh-huh. And, uh, Aiden's like, but I want to Aiden bedtime. <laughs> and so Aiden's like, okay. And he, and he like went in and, and laid down. And then my brother's like, all right, so what do you, you know, what, what do you want to watch? You know? And, just, <laughs> and I was like, he can just turn it on and off. <laughs> He doesn't feel one way or the other about this. Like, I just, I was like, that must have been how it is. That's how it was with my parents. They had no, I mean, they knew they had to do the, they had to do the parent thing. They weren't as mad as they let on. They just knew they had to do this. I wasn't spoiling their day at all. Like, it just, you know, and also, I mean, it was just weird to hear, like, because my dad would do the bedtime. No, no. Like, you just say it very definitively. And so, like, to hear my brother, you know, the guy who has been in a lot of fights and has done all kinds of things, to hear him, like, fall right into line and do the exact thing, it's like, well, that's weird. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, and and I feel like a movie that really captures just, like, just the kind of the scattered nature of parenthood in general, but certainly fatherhood, is uh, Kramer versus Kramer, uh-huh. where... I mean, this is a guy who, he's got a son who's, what, like 10? I mean, he's, you know, he's been around a while. But this is the first time he's been, that Dustin Hoffman is being required to be a dad, you know. And what's interesting, and he's not a good father at the beginning, you know. He's, it's all about work and all that. And he feels like he, I don't know, like he doesn't, when he's left with the kid, he doesn't feel desperate. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, he feels like he can do it. You know, uh-huh. and just like, oh, yeah, I can I can whip you up some breakfast. No problem. You know, and then over the over the course of the film, he learns not only that he was a bad father, uh-huh. but that he has learned how to be a good father and how rewarding that is and how much more rewarding it was than uh, than before. So that's one of the rare stories where it is told from the father's perspective, you know, and uh and you look at that movie and you're like, man, this guy doesn't have any idea what he's doing. He's just winging it. And it's but every decision he's making is is based on trying his best and trying to love his child, which I think is at the bare minimum that's that's what you should do, I think. Well, I think we can we can definitely talk about finding Nemo. Oh yeah. Then, Cuz that's another uh I mean it's a it's a fish obviously, but it's a yeah. person with a young child. Yeah. Uh and Again, I mean, uh, Dustin Hoffman is a, a single father. Yeah. Uh, luckily, his wife isn't dead, like, right. like in Finding Nemo. But yeah. it's Meryl same. Streep was not killed by a barracuda. <laughs> not in that movie. Not in that one, yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Music of the heart, however. <laughs> um, sorry. Well, okay, you were saying I'm sorry, Finding Nemo? I can't Nemo. remember now. You okay. Know what? I was... I was, that's how, it's it's late and I'm tired. I was working on like a Meryl Streep poll. I was oh, like, okay. well, what movie would it be funny for her to have been <laughs> yeah. eaten by a barracuda? But you, you got it. it Directed by Wes Craven, you know, <laughs> multiple layers to that joke. Um, but no, fine, you know, it's it makes, along with like uh, movies about characters getting to know their father, I feel like a subgenre underneath this subgenre is kids learning to respect their father like mm-hmm. not not like you will respect me but literally like they just have no faith or they just don't respect this person like i'd say it's similar to christian bale in 310 to yuma where uh-huh. their son just sees them as just this spineless just this thing that it's like i'm definitely never gonna be like you and then of course through a series of extraordinary circumstances they realize like oh my gosh 
that's who this guy was the whole time and I just never saw it. Like yeah. and I feel like I feel like that's that's rare to fatherhood movies. Like I'd say it's more like I don't know, it'd be interesting to to look at movies about motherhood as well. Uh-huh. But like with fatherhood like the idea of like it being like the father as like so, sort of a pillar of strength, something you can look up to and respect, integrity, like that seems to be a very definite theme yeah. to movies like this. I can this. think of a couple of mother like tumbleweeds or okay. uh, anywhere but here. Oh, okay. Uh, sort of similar types of things. But yeah, uh, the other thing about uh, Finding Nemo is, yeah, I mean, obviously Nemo learns things about about his father, but it's also right. the father realizing, like you said with Kramer versus Kramer, realizing that he has it within himself to be a good father. Right. You know, uh, he... It's, it seems like a daunting task, and that's why he's yeah. so overprotective. And, and you know, it, it's it's sort of a his way of dealing with the threats of the world and dealing right. with the perils of fatherhood is uh, a little overly safe and precautious. Right. And that's because he doesn't have the confidence in himself. Yeah. But once he's forced to 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 take action, he he learns that he has it within himself to be a father. And I think right. that's. To me, uh, obviously, I'm not a father. Yeah. Um, you are. You've got Charlie. Oh, of course. <laughs> Wait, I thought he was my little brother. No, that's right. <laughs> uh, no, Charlie's a cat. Yeah. Um, yeah, let me explain that. Uh, <laughs> but it, you know, even though I'm not a father, like Finding Nemo is sort of an affirming movie to me. Like I, fe- yeah. it, it, like, I feel like oh, I, I, maybe someday I could be. Like, you know, yeah. I, it's... Because you know Albert Brooks is certainly an everyman type, very much so. It's like I'm pretty neurotic, <laughs> so if he can get this going, I, I I'm sure I can. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just let's see, looking at uh, Good Fathers, you know, it's and I'd say something similar to Finding Nemo, which is where you're go- you're going to like save, you know, you're going to save your kid who wants to be saved. You know, you look at a movie like, for example, I'd say the two I can think of off the top of my head are Sweet Hereafter Mm -hmm. and 13 Conversations About One Thing, Mm. where in that you've got fathers played by Ian Holm and Alan Arkin, respectively, who they just, their kids want nothing to do with them. They may call occasionally for money or something like that. Uh They just... They've rebelled completely. They want nothing to do with their dad. But their dad cannot turn off the love and just the wanting to protect their kid and wanting to save their kid. And in the sweet hereafter, when Ian Holm keeps getting calls from his daughter, I believe the character's name is Zoe, um, and he just, you know, there are moments when he describes, you know, parenthood and just and marriage and just his whole family life as steaming piss but then there are other times when like she calls and says that she uh has tested positive for hiv and he just he just clicks into like up until that point he has been very protective and like protective of himself like he doesn't want to be hurt again guarded guarded thank you and uh but at that moment he turns into Marlon from Finding Nemo, and he says, uh-huh. "Don't worry, I'm gonna save you. I'm gonna protect you." And it really that moment. I'm getting choked up now. That moment always gets me because yeah. he just, like, as guarded as he is, like he just keeps telling himself, like, she just wants money. I know because that's that's what has happened. Like the t- last ten times, it's nothing, you know. And then just all that goes away, and it, yeah, it's. That movie's great in general, but his performance is something to behold. Yeah, but uh, I'm glad we got to we started talking about uh, guys with daughters. Oh uh, yeah, you know, because I was afraid that because of our personal experience and our our being sons, right, that we would talk about fathers and sons the whole time. Yeah, but uh, um, well, that leads me to a movie that I really wanted to talk about, uh, which I wrote down wrong, <laughs> uh, okay. is the Philadelphia Story. Which oh, is, all right, I mean, the, it's not uh, the the father character and that storyline is is very small in the movie mm-hmm. but seeing as it's one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time yeah. i have thought about it a lot i wrote it down as uh uh the name it's the name of a one-act play uh the philadelphia hmm. uh, it's uh what's is the guy's name uh who wrote uh it's a whole collection of one acts called it's all in the timing and it has the 
Oh uh, shoot! Variations on the death of Trotsky. Yeah, that's what I. That's what me and Matt Bennett uh, won uh, a thing for at state. Oh uh, shoot! Classifies a loaf of bread, and one of them is called the Philadelphia. And I can't yeah. remember the guy's is it name. David, David something. something? Yeah. All right. Jinx. <laughs> um. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I wrote down the Philadelphia, but it's the Philadelphia story. Yeah. Uh, and he. Uh, this will actually bring us into another topic. Um, what constitutes good fatherhood? Yeah, because you know what is the role? Because by the the sort of driest and broadest of definitions, he is a good father because he has more than provided for his daughter. Right. Uh, but he is largely absent, uh, and not particularly affectionate. Yeah, or not to his daughter. He certainly right. is to his mistress. Uh, and um, I can't remember what the other. Thing I was point I was going to make I had to make a little mistress joke and I exactly my yeah third point uh, you can't make asides at two in the morning David <laughs> uh, but yeah so I mean you know, what what is the role what what's the most important thing is it is it to to provide for because you know Catherine Hepburn's character will not want yeah for, she's she'll you know, be fine for, for money or shelter or anything like that yeah uh, but is that all there is to it yeah I say no. Yeah, I submit that, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, if you want to look at, at it from that point of view, I mean, like, you look at, uh, all right, I'm sorry, gonna have to bring up the Ang Lee Hulk, because okay. one thing that it does explore quite a bit is fatherhood. Yeah. Because, in two ways. First, there's Nick Nolte and his craziness and how he's passed that along to his son, um, not the craziness, in fact. He's so crazy that his son winds up being so contained that he can't, you know, he can't do it for very much longer. But then I'd say more notably and more subtly, and this might be one of my favorite parts of that film, is the relationship between Sam Elliott and Jennifer Connelly. Hmm. It's brief. In the new Hulk, it's briefly hinted at. I mean, it's it's real. their relationship isn't really explored at all. But he, here's a guy who... Really? Well, that's probably because Sam Elliott and Jennifer Connelly aren't in that movie. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> William Hurt does the best Sam Elliott, but not as good as being the actual man. But, um, but like in that, I mean, he really believes like he has. He's this general. He's very uptight and all that. He really feels like he's protect. He has protected his daughter. He's kept her safe, and he. Uh, you know, and he's provided for, and so I'm sure if you asked him, he he would say that he was a good father. But like, that's not even close to enough for her. Like, and you see the dynamic between them, and you're just like, and he he may get hints within himself that you know, I think maybe, I think maybe she might need some kind of human connection with uh-huh. me. And every time he tries, he just kind of fails miserably. And I think after a certain point, he just kind of gave up and. uh so I feel like I feel like the Hulk, for all its you know for all its flaws, and there are many, uh, the fact that it tries to explore a fairly deep theme like that, I you know, hats off to it for that. But um, but like something like any Roy, excuse, huh? Any excuse to bring it up, buddy. <laughs> but uh, but like I'd say Royal Tenenbaums is very similar. Um, okay, yeah. Like the character of Royal, I mean. Well, I, I he seems to be aware of just how much of a bastard that he is, uh-huh. but uh, he has made his peace with it. It seems at the beginning of the film, um, but really by the uh, another moment that was really touching and affecting for me in that film is after he's gotten to spend time with his family. Granted, it starts out with him telling them a really big lie, uh-huh. but the more he spends time with them. The more he and it's not always pleasant time, but it's true human interaction, getting to know them as people and getting to play father a little bit, you know. And uh, so that moment when he's forced to leave because they find out, yeah, he's just a big liar, mm-hmm. um, which they knew anyway, but whatever. Uh, and he says, you know, these last few days have probably been the best of my whole life. And then the narrator says, like, the minute he says this, he realized that this was true. 
Yeah. And it's just, and it's this moment where it's like, wow, that's really affecting. And Gene Hackman is of course wonderful because he never really hints at like that self-awareness. Yeah. Instead, he just plays this guy's blissfully ignorant of his own and possibly other people's emotions. Um, but yeah, his, his family doesn't have to worry about anything as far as being provided for, but he realizes that there's much more. And the more he puts it, the more he puts into it, they get something out of it. But of course he does as well. Um, but then of course there's movies where the fathers are just, uh, awful, just awful. You know, who who are we talking about? I'd say Glenn Whitehouse from, uh, affliction. Sure. Yeah. Um, I was going to go with, uh, I can't remember his name from what from Friday night lights, the country singer, Tim McGraw. Uh, yes. I don't remember the name of the character though. Yeah. Neither do I, but, uh, but that's the thing. He learns to be a good father kind of at the end, or at least supportive. Uh, Glenn Whitehouse stays a mean, horrible son of a bitch all the way to the end. And James Coburn, uh, one of his best performances because he just embraces it. And here's a guy who's just so, I mean, he's just, he's such an alcoholic and it's weird because he's, he's old. And when he's not drunk, he just seems kind of frail and a little confused. He starts drinking. and He just turns so mean and spiteful of his own son. And he just seems to just, it makes you wonder what this character ever wanted out of fatherhood. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, that's a question that I've often asked, aside from just the biological need to want to reproduce. Like, why do people want to become parents in general? You know, like, what do they hope to gain from it? I know that's kind of an odd question. But uh, when you look at somebody, like, granted, the characters in Affliction are fictional, but they're families like that where it's like yeah. yeah if he had maybe one kid it's like oh yeah we didn't mean to have him but now we do yeah that this family has like five kids you know after yeah. a while they have to realize that this is going to keep happening or maybe they purposely did it and it's just like what does he hope to gain from it yeah you know i'm glad as a society we're kind of progressing to that point where it's becoming more of a choice because i think yeah. someone and if, you know, James Coburn, uh, a character who's his age and would have been a father at a certain time, it, I mean, just getting, once you turn 18 or 19, getting married and having kids is just what you do. Right, right. Uh, and that's, that's probably bad for, for people. Seems like it would be. <laughs> bad yeah. for the world in general. I'm glad we're getting to a point where people can wait yeah. until they're ready. Yeah, and it's something of a, of an informed decision. Yeah. Um, although that does... That does lead to uh, what I consider to be one of the funniest uh, sequences in the movie Idiocracy. Oh, yeah. Which is the beginning where basically it talks about why uh, the population of the world becomes so stupid, which is the, the, like, the morons just wind up, they just keep having sex and they don't plan it out. They don't, you know, think about it. And then, oh, no. I'm pregnant again. How about that? Uh-huh. You know, but meanwhile, like this one couple, they just, it's like, well, this just isn't the right time. This is, you know, and of course yeah. they wind up dying without having any intelligent children. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, I, that movie has its shortcomings. Very much but so. It is, uh, largely redeemed by the line. I'm a fuck all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, idiocracy. We haven't talked enough about that on this show because its flaws are largely the sci-fi aspect, but yeah. the comedy aspect pretty solid. I'd yeah, say. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board, but, uh, anyway, we are getting away from the topic. Okay. Sorry. Uh, well, what were you? Um, I'd say like a movie that really explores now, of course in, in affliction, I mean, it's at this point, it's very, it's common knowledge that like any, any terrible thing that you may do to your children, like it, you know, it victimizes them in some way, whether it be verbal abuse or physical abuse, whatever it may be, it's bad for that reason, but it could be actually worse than that because they could become what you are. And that's Uh what affliction is all about. Um, which is this guy who, I mean, I remember the tagline for it was that like, 
Wade, you know, Wade Whitehouse is terrified of following in his father's footsteps. And it's a little bit reductive because he makes his own mistakes, but it's all, I mean, just the rage that he feels is very, was very much just passed on to him from his father. And I'd say, you know, a movie like Monster's Ball mm-hmm. has a similar thing because that's got three generations and, you know, the the oldest is just so spiteful and hateful and he passes that, certainly passes that along to Billy Bob Thornton who passes that along to his son and, yeah. you know, his son does not last long. I mean, he just can't take it anymore. And so Billy Bob Thornton's journey in that film is really astounding to me. I mean, people remember Halle Berry in that film, but like his story is really interesting. Yeah. Um, because he just, because by the time he embraces what fatherhood should have been for him, it's too late. And I think that, that moment, you know, just that realization and just that intense regret just runs throughout the entire film. Because, like, he has the realization that Dustin Hoffman did in Kramer versus Kramer, but it's a solid 20 years too late, you yeah. know, and then eventually completely too late. Yes. That was I, that was really the – that was when I first, like, really took notice of Heath Ledger. Yeah. It was that movie. I mean, yeah. Because there was – I mean, he's certainly – good and enjoyable in 10 things i hate about you and a knight's tale you know <laughs> and a knight's tale's uh, it it's a silly movie but yeah. it's it's worth a watch it's, it's yeah fun. why not uh paul bettany yeah uh, before he was the next big thing and then wasn't in any movies anymore right what's up with that i like him i do too but what was, was the last thing he was in i don't know he was supposed to be the next big thing for a while he was in wimbledon yeah, the, I mo- like the movie Wimbledon. Um, yeah, but like Master and Commander, he was great. Yeah, and uh, The Reckoning, awesome movie. Awesome movie. Anyway, no fathers in The Reckoning, though. Yeah, yeah he, well, here's another topic I want to get in, uh, talk about. Okay. Um, uh, people talk about you know it's often on headstones and stuff. You know, a good a good husband and father. Right. Uh, often though, those two things. The Venn diagram mm-hmm. of husband and father doesn't sometimes doesn't have a whole lot of crossover. It's 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 almost two different things, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's being a good husband is good in the is a is good is good fathering technique in the sense of setting an example, right? You know, uh, but sometimes it seems like a, a person will have to sacrifice one in favor of the other. Hmm. Uh, and I want to talk about the movie Signs. Okay. Which is a, a movie that I love. Go fuck yourself. I think it's great. <laughs> Not you. I'm talking yes, to yes. the... I, you know it's my favorite Shyamalan film, it's right? It's mine as well. Okay. I, I'm talking to the, the straw man listener who okay. thinks that because, you know, the village and Lady in the Water and the Happening all suck, that Signs right. must suck too because it also has a twist ending or a twisty type of ending. Twisty type. I wouldn't yeah. say it's a twist ending. But no, it's, it's his best film. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but that's, I mean... That's uh, clearly uh, Mel Gibson, his character. I, I'm so bad with character names. I can't remember. Graham, Graham. Hess. Uh, Graham Hess. Great name. Yeah. Uh, clearly, he loved his wife so, so much. Yeah. Uh, that, you know what? Do you remember? And I can't remember her name. Damn it. The writer uh, woman, who the writer woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, that's my favorite comic book growing up. <laughs> um, the writer who's married to Michael Chabon, uh, she was sort of stirred up some controversy when, in an interview, uh, this is a few years ago, she sort of implied that it would be tougher on her to lose her husband than to lose her children. Hmm. Uh, and science kind of tackles that like yeah the loss of his wife hits him so hard that he essentially gets his brother to come in and be the surrogate father so that he doesn't have to do it anymore because right. he is focused completely on his grief yeah than the grief grief exploitation movie exactly there and you know there's sort of the obvious symbol of him having been uh an episcopalian priest right and then saying you know don't call me father anymore yeah you know? yeah i mean it's but it's it's well done you know it's but that was clearly like 
M. Night Shyamalan sticking his toes in the pool of hamminess that would be his later scripts. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and in that, you know, and there's another one of a guy who, you know, I mean, lately I'd say in the last few years, and you and I have talked about it before, like we talked about with, um, a while ago we talked about Catherine Heigl and like Knocked Up and just the theme, especially in Judd Apatow related films, um, of like, Guys who just are fun-loving and just kind of youthful, but then, like, they have to step it up. They Uh have to embrace responsibility, you know? And in the case of the topic today, that means embracing what fatherhood really means, you know? And and it sounds, you know, in, in Signs, Graham had really embraced what being a husband meant, absolutely. And I'm sure he was a loving father and all that, but it's just... You know, it's e- it was easy for him to just focus, as you say, focus on his grief and on his wife. And the movie is about him embracing, you know what? They lost their mother, and but they still have a father. And hey, oh, it's me. Yeah. So I need to be that for them. And I mean, and it's really, I mean, I think it's really notable that like the, sh- like, the shift really comes and it comes with him giving comfort to his children by talking about them, by focusing clearly on them, talking about when they were born, when yeah. he became a father. Like he's, he's focusing them and him yeah, himself because yeah. he's embracing, he's finally embracing fatherhood. He may have embraced it before, but he lost track of it. And I feel like, you know, a lot of the movies that we've been talking about are men who learn to step it up. You yeah. Know? And that's, I mean, if you look at it's it's sort of a uh, something that that men have to learn and uh, have, have had to learn in recent decades you know Kramer mm-hmm. versus Kramer being an early example because uh this sort of tradition was that the men go out and they work and they provide you know right. they have a duty to society and the women the mothers have the duty to the family right you know uh and then you start to see movies like Kramer versus Kramer or even like uh we talked about recently the Mosquito Coast, you know, yeah, like he, absolutely. he he feels like he has all this stuff to offer the world, uh, and he sort of puts he puts his like inventions and and right. stuff ahead of his family, you know. Yeah. Which I mean, another uh, film on the same topic is Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Hmm. That that's got almost the exact same themes as the Mosquito Coast. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like we got another blog here. Um, <laughs> yeah. If not an entire thesis. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you've we've been watching Mad Men and actually you're much further ahead than I am yeah. in the in the first season, but like it's just fascinating the first season the first episode ends with this guy who is seen as kind of this ladies man and you know all that and he's just you know, he's if he's not flirting with with one woman, he's betting another. Uh-huh. In New York, and the sh- and then of course the episode ends with him going out to the suburbs to his wife and children. Yeah, and in this guy's life, like his wife is certainly plays a supporting role, uh-huh. and his children are almost cameos in yeah. his life. You yeah. know, and it's just like just in the structure of the show, it shows it, like it reflects the nature of these characters' lives you know, by giving work and, you know, all that sort of thing, by giving that way more time in the show, it's showing that, like, yeah, that's where this guy's priorities are, Uh you know. He doesn't fret over his wife needing to... I mean, he frets a little bit over his wife having to go to the psychiatrist, not nearly as much as he frets over the cigarette account, you know. Uh And it's just... uh, Yeah, it. I don't know. I I forget the uh, point that I was making because I'm getting a little tired, but... uh, (laughs) But just, I think yeah, the point that you're making is that we should wrap it up. Yeah, I suppose so. But uh, but I I will I will end with uh, just some really like solid fathers, you know, in uh, excuse me, in film. Like you mentioned one earlier, and I was I was kicking myself for not thinking of it, which is uh, Paul Schofield in Quiz Show. Yeah, and I mean that. I didn't mention it earlier on the show. No, so earlier not, to, earlier in the evening. Yes, yeah. yes. And um, and he's a guy. And I I said it a while ago when Paul Schofield died. But like in that movie, I mean, 
when he finds out that his son has done, you know, it, that's like he's an old man, he's a grandfather, and his son uh-huh. is a his son is a grown man. But when he finds out that his son has done something very wrong, uh-huh. like he go just all, the old instinct it kicks in, and he lectures his son and says, "You really have done something wrong here, and you need to face it." And then his son says, okay, I will. And he says, all right, I'm going to face it with you because I'm your father, you know? And it's just, and that's the, you know, I I feel like that's what fatherhood really is, is just pushing you to be the the best type of person you can be, but then also not leaving you stranded when you decide you want to do it, like being there for support. I think of also like Charlie, uh, uh, Martin Sheen in Wall Street, you know? um, Yeah. Yeah. Who, you know, uh, I remember when we talked about the episode about working, like that's the first character you went to because he's just such a man of integrity. His son has made very definite mistakes and yeah, and they have fights about it, but he supports him, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting topic. And when you, when you brought it up to me, I mean, of course I just had all these flashes of of my dad yeah. and just the, it's like, well, what, what characters reminded me of him? And my dad was a very, you know, he was a very flawed man as, as everybody is, but like sure. he just, and that's why I kicked myself because of, uh, cause I forgot Paul Schofield because that's, that's kind of who I associate him with a guy of immense integrity that it's like, man, I just, you know, as my life goes on, I I hope that I can make him proud. I know that sounds cheesy, but uh, you know, it's a it's a little thing of mine. So okay, all right. Sorry to end on that note. No, that's a good note to end so, on. But he. I but I'll never know because he's uh, weepy about my dad. But I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> well, you know, we miss him. <laughs> we just talked about him as if he were a celebrity of some kind. But um, but yeah, yeah it was. In a, in a way, like his uh, his wake and funeral were more well attended than any wake or funeral I've ever been to. The funeral procession was more than a mile long. He, you know, it, wow. he and that's that's the one thing that the lesson that I think he often tried to teach me that I am still trying to learn that I can't is mm-hmm. how to get along with people because I, <laughs> as you know, a snobby nerdy guy. I'd have a tendency to not be able to get along with people. Yeah, I mean, you're punching me right now, David. <laughs> it's very frustrating. I'm not saying I'm a dick, but I I, I could be standoffish. If I decide that uh, I don't like this person, then I won't make... You know, even people that I work with and have to see every day, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't make the effort. And that's something that my dad was really good at uh, and that I am trying to learn still. But that's the, you know, that's the... Uh... That's the. It's uh, this is gonna sound strange and uh, oddly psychological. Sorry for everybody for working out my own issues uh, <laughs> on your t- on your dime. You're not paying for this. What am I talking about? Um, <laughs> but the idea, you know, when you know when your parent dies, you know, young, you almost feel like you you mentioned this in your blog that uh-huh. like you see a much more complete picture of them. Yes. You know, you can say this is the definite ending point. And so you're I'd say you're much more likely to try and take the lessons of their life and apply it to you because you realize this is all the time I've got that, I, you know, the time that I had with them is now finished. Uh-huh. So what am I going to take from that? You know, and it's something that you might not have had, you know, had your father lived another 30, 40 years. Yeah. You know, I mean, just that abrupt ending, all of a sudden you're forced to really try and put everything in perspective. You know, and I feel like I still am. But, yeah. you know. In a way, I mean, this is kind of morbid to say, but in that way, we're kind of fortunate that we're able yeah. to. It's it, People like us have essentially had to become adults in a way uh, earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, because otherwise we could end up like the characters in The Savages. You yeah. Know, that, that's, that's the other end of... You know, I'm not saying everyone whose father lives to it lives to be old exactly. has this problem, but that's the that's that's the risk is that they're uh, a part of them is still in arrested development until until they can move past until the father is, is gone. Right. Uh, you know, because you're you know you be, you're constantly reanalyzing your relation your relationship 
with this person because it's continuing to go right. on. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a really complex topic. It's one that I feel like we've kind of covered, you know, but not in the kind of detail that I feel like would do it justice because it's, it's a parenthood in general is a fascinating topic and one that like movies when they do it right, there's something, there's an intangible quality that you, you can't put your finger on. You can't say like, Oh, that gets it right. And here's why, like you can talk about the performances, the way it's written, Mm -hmm. but there's just something like Paul Schofield, like that's, that's a father right there, you know? And, uh, well, I think we've come to another. We've had like three good stopping points, right. but we. Keep I think on this is a good talking, stopping point. Yeah, so. let's, let's end it here. All right, thanks uh, everybody for listening and bearing with us uh, as we got a little punchy and emotional. Yeah. So. Oh, thanks. and uh, continue to send us questions for the uh, for the videos. Yeah, keep them coming. Keep them coming. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>